We back. It's been a while. It's been it's been a while, but we back. Top of the top, everyone out there. Um, a lot has happened since May. We took a break, uh, but the crew is back. Um, this is your host, X. I'm here. Man, this feels good to say. Uh, we got Rush back in the building. We got Rush. We brought Rush back, y'all. <laughs> not doing push-ups behind the scene anymore. <laughs> it's good to be back. Uh, we also got our, our guy. As some of the listeners call to this day, she's Stradamus. People keep coming back to him, but we got Rasheed in the building, man. Uh, Jam Pack episode. Welcome, everybody. What's good? Good to be back. Yeah. Uh, happy 2022. Happy New Year. Even though, like, that goes against my personal rule. I feel like past the seventh, it's over with for the happy. Yeah, yeah. Unless you like an elderly relative, you know what I'm saying. You just forgot that you are in 2022. Yeah, bro, 2022, bro. The pace we've been moving. I feel like every week in the year, bro. It's all. It's always some shit going on. The fact. Uh, shout out to um, sports gambling going live in New York last weekend, man. It's been really great. See all the enthusiasm. All the parlays. I love that. Show shout out to my gamblers. Responsible gamblers. If you have a problem, please call 800 gambler. Um Yo, so when we when we took our break, you know what I'm saying? Life happened, what have but it was May. It was at the first like local top, right? Eat that tap 4K. Went down after that. We went through a correction and accumulation for majority of the summer. Shit got back cracking. I want to say mid September, late September. Um, or, or maybe late August. My dates maybe off, but I want to say it was September. Now, um, East had hit another all-time high, which I believe was forty-nine hundred. And right, what's his current price? Last time I checked, um, I mean, it was like 40, it's 43k, it was 43k in May, by the way. I think we just knew we could hit pause on the video game, you know. So, yeah, that's it's, true. It's basically this whole year, this past year, we've been consolidating, it's right? 42k, you know, what's real funny, it's funny how we're consolidating around 42k, 420, and then the high was 69,000. I feel like this whole thing is just a big meme. Like and we're just being and people playing with our emotions behind the scenes. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I mean, let's talk about that though, because Bitcoin price ain't really went nowhere since we left. Facts. We thought that it would hit hundred k. So and we, we still think it was the chart. We we hit an unpause the chart, bro. Let's right. let's get it in twenty two. Let's get it. Even though if you would have asked me. I think that NFTs are going to outperform Bitcoin. Yeah. I, I, I felt with NFT marketplace, Coinbase is launching, um, I believe, very soon in the next several months. So they're going to launch an entire marketplace of NFTs. Do you know what chain that's being built on? Ethereum. Yeah. <laughs> I'll save my comments for that later. But. Uh, <laughs> It's being it's being built on Ethereum. Uh, I guess hey, might might as well just milk everybody, right? I don't know if that's a smarter strategy. Um, I would hope that Solana NFTs are on there because that's where a lot of the activity is. Mm. 
don't but, know about that, bro. You know, these things can change, right? And East can get the act together. But anyway, um, there's a lot. There's bro, a lot hold on, hold on, hold on. What do you mean? Can't just, can't just, <laughs> that, bro. Like, as of today, like 92% of NFT volume is on Ethereum. Oh, no. I know where the volume is. But these gas fees are out of fucking hand. Have you heard of Immutable X? Yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah, you heard one of the ZK, first ZK Saint? Yeah, all the little ZK. You heard, heard, of, heard of Polygon? I don't want to have to do none of that. I, I, I just want to be Optimism, able to... Optimism, Bro, it's a, no, it's a no. menu of options. We definitely need to talk about Arbitrum, because I don't know if y'all understand what's going on over on Arbitrum with Magic. I don't. Yo, yeah. listen. <laughs> it's, a, it's a silent monster being built over there. Or, or, a lot of people are talking about it. Yo, shout out to Jerbs. Jerbs, you never stop listening to us. You got me in the group chat, the crypto millionaires, man. Y'all, y'all are a crazy bunch. I gotta shout y'all out because I've never seen a group chat boom so much around the clock with different type of information. Some of y'all do got confirmation bias stuff. <laughs> y'all will look <laughs> for stuff to confirm why you're bullish. Like, yeah, you know what? Look. That tweet about it, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. some of y'all are hilarious, man. You know what I mean? But I, but I love every last one of y'all. Um, thanks for putting me on to magic. As y'all may or may not know, I kind of stopped doing heavy crypto research, right? So, like the new things, I know what's going on. But here's what I do know has been consistent since since we t- took the little pause. Alien face has continued to leave Ethereum congested. That, you know, and, and people are moving on to new chains. ETH is starting to be looked at as a dinosaur coin. A lot of people feel like it's too out of reach now. You know what I mean? They're like, yo, it's it's considered a boomer coin. That's what, I, that's what I've heard some people in the crypto community say, that ETH and Bitcoin are boomer coins. Stop the madness, bro. What's going on? Bro? We, can't start, we can't start the show like this, bro. And mind you, I, I was in, come on, man. Listen, all 2020, all 2019, I was telling y'all, man. E, e, e. Um, if a complete disclaimer, I have sold all of my ETH. What? Oh, I have sold 100%. I'm not rocking with Alien Face. Solana Gang, we are in the building. I have gone deep into soul. Okay. I'm a soul maxi at this point. <laughs> SBF, we trust. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and I'm soon, I'm really looking at getting heavy in polka dot, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, but probably Avalanche would be the next one that um, I really start to drop some weight in. But yeah, I, I, I have zero exposure to ETH at this point. What I've witnessed. That's bold. What I have witnessed over the past several months or half a year is that Alien Face doesn't care, right? He doesn't care. Him and his little tribe that are working on ETH, they they fall into the competition. And I'm tired of hearing about ETH 2.0. I'm tired of hearing about all the things on the roadmap that have been. It's giving me Cardano vibes. Bro, you 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 sound like the collective retailers right now. Yeah. No. Like this no. this is. I understand we're doing a podcast, but let's like, come on, bro. Listen. 
I haven't seen that boy SBF lose once. <laughs> that team over there moves at the speed of light, and that's what I like. I want to see a team that knows how to get to moving. Vamanos. All right, bro. All right, I can't. I can't take it anymore, bro. I can't take it anymore. So, granted. Now I, let me hear you because before I agree, that, bro. you would have. What's you up? You would have Bitcoin King. Hey, come on, me. Yes. Tomorrow, yeah, I'm talking about you, Rush. <laughs> I'm gonna let she speak, but you was I don't know how this area, man. Like, so let's let's hear why y'all feelings has changed or or why you disagree with me. Um, soul game. Well, I, it, it's it's not a thing against Solana necessarily, specifically. Um, I agree. They have a lot of marketing dollars behind them with FTX. For that reason, I hold Solana. That being said, um, when we think about the premise of blockchain and having a decentralized computer where we can do all this stuff in crypto and Web3, um, like the cost of running a validator or the cost of it being decentralized where people can actually verify what's going on, um, that's important still. So it, it's not like the, the cheap fees come at a zero cost, right? You, you pay for it in another way. And in this world that we live in, freedom is very important. Um, so I'm not gonna just start waving a flag because another billionaire, you know, basically has set up an infrastructure and I'm gonna rush to his system. Sure, I'll hold some, but ETH is still, um, the decentralized world computer. And since we've been talking, the risk profile has extremely um, de-risked. You know, uh, Polygon has been pushing, Optimism, Arbitrum, you know, ZK Sync, Immutable X, as we're talking about, like the layer, the layer two solutions that have progressed in the last six months, it's absurd. And then the actual ETH, ETH2 roadmap is progressing faster than planned. Um, there's still a lot of technical debt and a lot of risk in what you were saying with, you know, FTX moving quickly and, um, you know, Solana being able to be agile because they have a more centralized infrastructure. That being said, that doesn't mean that it'll be the long run winner. And um, I strongly think that it won't because like I said, like the, the value, the value that's the most important is freedom. Like we, we need our freedom. If we're gonna have our identity, we'll have our uh, value. If we're gonna build businesses on top of this, you, you don't want to have it where, you know, the whole reason Bitcoin founded this industry is it was censorship resistant, right? And we're talking about censorship and being controlled and mandates and all type of other stuff. And now we're talking about something that's immutable that can't change where all this infrastructure will be built and reverting back to a worse version of what we have. Not with it. Okay. Rush, what's your thoughts? I guess it's two things. One, like I know I know my limitations. I know uh, you know where I'm dangerous and where I'm not, for lack of better words, but one, when I look at like the crypto ecosystem, I think that we kind of overestimate where it's at in its maturation cycle. 
I, you know, you look at Apple, it's a $3 trillion market cap company. And like, that's all of crypto's market cap. And I think that like crypto's TAM is like a hundred X. Well, not maybe not a hundred X, but it's definitely multiples of what Apple is trying to accomplish as a company. So I say all that to say that, like it is so, so early uh, for us to be making like statements about what's gonna be what in the future in the space. But when I do, when I look at Ethereum, I just go where all the smart guys would go. And there was a good, I put this in the uh, the chat, um, the electric capital, what is it called? Electric, electric capital developer report uh, with Maria Shannon. And they just looked at where all the developers in the, system, in the ecosystem are. And Ethereum is like, as far as developers, is like 3x the closest competitor. So like you have all of these smartest people working on Ethereum. Yeah. 20 percent of new developers that come into the space, they go to Ethereum, which is one coin. So I, like if I'm gonna make a bet on the direction of crypto, I'm just gonna go where all the smartest, brightest people mm-hmm. are working. I'm gonna allocate more capital there. And yeah. when, that, when that changes, then you know I might change my my view. But right, and, then, yeah. and you change your view, and I have the right to change my view. Right, you know what I'm saying? Like I can change my view in three months. Like Alien Face gets his act together, and I'll come back. Ethan is not out of reach for me. I don't have an attitude. So, so one thing I want to clarify is, ETH isn't just one coin. It's a standard. It is a coding and infrastructure standard. People have to remember what blockchains are. This is infrastructure technology that is a coordination tool for the future of human development. That's what we're building here. So ETH is a coin. It's it, the coin is just a, it's just a token that allows for the economics and the incentive structures to be developed within the ecosystem. And the ecosystem is the network and the infrastructure. So let's not get that lost because even when you look at stuff you pointed out, Avalanche, all the activity is on their C-chain, which is the EVM standard. It's in Solidity, it's going through the EVM, and it's basically an ETH layer two. Word? I, yeah, yeah, you're right about that. Um, I can't I can't even argue with that. That's true. Um, look, I'm not... I'm not anti-ETH. Let's get that correct. No one said you were. You know, I wrote that trade for three years. You know what I mean? Probably like, stayed in it though. Right. Well, oh, oh, you say oh, I'll buy it. Nah, look, I'm, I parked my, I parked my, my, my. I'm not look. I parked my capital for the 2025 play. Right, mm. 2026. I'm not even thinking about this cycle no more. I'm done. Yeah. NFTs is where my focus is. To be honest, I'm not really, I'm not really focused on tokens. I so I de risk from a lot of tokens. Oh, but I have a lot of exposure to different NFTs. And one NFT that I think is going to be crazy that Rashid has been talking about for a few years now is NFTs around like popular media, like music. Right? Um, movies and concerts and events and stuff like that. Like, I'm a big believer in that. And that's why I'm putting like a lot of my time. Also, shout out to Stone Ape Club. Love y'all. You know what I'm saying? Um, 
th- th- yeah, those are the things that I am particularly like excited about in 2022. So, hey, I'm still like heavy into crypto. I'm just, I reduce my exposure significantly to tokens, if that makes sense. So I guess you could say that's the trade that I put on for 2022 when it comes to the crypto ecosystem. But according to you, Rush, now you are. I'm an Ethereum maximalist. I'm yeah, not, did you? I'm not an ETH maxi at all. I, I, I believe. Do you still uh, have exposure to BTC? The I boom don't. Ball? I don't. I sold all my. Hey, so it seems like we all rotated out into new days here, man. Because I remember a year and a half ago, you was like, yo, I got it. I mean, that's, you know, that is just kind of um, just, you know, as you, my own personal learning and maturation in the system. You know, when right. I first got, I remember like even before I was in crypto, I was like, shit, I should just be buying gold. And then I was like, well, I should be buying Bitcoin. And then I was like, well, there's other things other than Bitcoin that are doing cool stuff too. So I think a lot of people kind of go through that on-ramp thing. And it's just about the time of just going through that process of understanding. Has your boomer institution, uh, is your boomer institution still banning you from uh, recommending Bitcoin to your clients? Yeah, I mean, I, I, for the record, I, I've never recommended Bitcoin. Well, not yeah, yeah, not recommended. Um, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there's still, I mean, in the traditional financial system, unless you're like an ultra high net worth individual, or you're getting exposure to some sort of fund or packaged retail product, it is challenging to yeah. get you like custody of exposure to crypto, which is probably going to change. But <clears throat> for the interim. That's still the case. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. Uh, it is funny how ever since uh, the ETH ETF went live, man, shit just been looking wacky. Same yeah. thing happened with BTC in 2018 when their ETF or late 2017 when their ETF went live. Maybe that's the top signal. <laughs> if it gets big enough to where it can get an ETF, prepare for some volatility. I mean, markets price things in before they happen, so. So it's like that by the news type situation. Um, some kind of non-crypto related stuff. I feel it's my duty to talk about um that that Delaware guy, that guy that uh sits in a seat at sixteen hundred Pennsylvania Avenue, Washington DC. Talking about Joe Biden. Talking about Brandon. To <laughs> so some, he's Mr. Joe Biden. Oh, I thought she was talking about Brandon. <laughs> Bing bong. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, since that didn't exist when we, took, when we took the call, that was back. I heard somebody saying it yesterday. I was on the plane, the little, the little light went off. It's like bing bong. I was like, this is hilarious. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm talking about Sleepy Joe. Look. I'm incredibly blessed to be here. I mean, um, you know, we're still going through a global pandemic and this is, we're entering year three and this has ravaged so many different lives on a personal level, on a business level. Um, 
look, there may be some people who say I'm being unfair, unreasonable. But I think I think Joe needs to step down as president. I think he needs to step down as president because <clears throat> you're now taking away people's personal freedoms for being regular everyday participants in society. Now, I'm a huge believer in personal liberty. Right. One should have the choice to do as they please, as long as they're not harming nobody. But if people have decided that they don't want to get vaxxed, let them. There are people out there who want to get vaxxed. Let them. Let people make their choices. For anyone who's been in California or New York for the past six months, it almost feels as if we're living in what's the movie 1984 the book everywhere you go even some bodegas not the one uptown but some bodegas in lower Manhattan will not under any circumstances allow you in the store if you do not have a vaccination card and they've gone even so far as building out digital versions of this card that will probably now need to exist on our phones forever. Because as we have witnessed, um, COVID's not going anywhere. It's going, it's going to be around. It's just part of our lives, right? And this is not to take away from the hundreds of thousands of lives that were lost to this disease. I'm very sensitive to that. I have friends who lost family members to COVID. So it's not as if like I'm playing with it. And for complete transparency, I say this as a vax person. Joe and his administration have been out of pocket. You know, Kyrie Irving has become villainized. But at the end of the day, if that's his choice, that should just be his choice. We shouldn't <laughs> demonize people because they've decided not to get a shot. It is just what it is. But stripping away people's personal freedoms um, for, for not taking a vaccine, that very well could go against, you know, their religious uh, beliefs and whatnot. There's multiple, you know, I, I've heard both sides and there's multiple reasons behind someone not having it. Um, but the Supreme Court blocked Sleepy Joe's vaccine mandate for private employers. Um, they did, they did move forward with uh, making it force for uh, primary caretakers, doctors, stuff like that, as they should, right? That that I agree with. Um, if you're going to be, you know, helping people in the medical aspect, and they've doubled down and come out and said, "Well, yeah, we know what the Supreme Court said, but uh, 
you guys should still do it, right? Because they're going to think of some other tricky ways to penalize corpse, right? And that's why I think there, there has to be a line, right? And, and they've crossed that line. And, and, and there's a host of other reasons why I got a problem with this administration. Right. Um, they have not come through on anything they've said in relation to cannabis. Anything. I've never seen an administration work so hard to give the bag back to Republicans ever. They're making it so easy for Republicans to come through and crush the motherfucking buildings this November for midterms. And if Joe and Cobb Mala keep it up, they're definitely not going to win in 2024. You know what I mean? Like, this is a person who lied about listening to Snoop Dogg and Tupac in college. You was at Howard University in the middle of the 80s. The only person who had heard Snoop Dogg by then was his grandmother. You gotta chill out. They said they found his name. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, but, want the AKs coming for us, but. No, shout out to the AKs. <laughs> you know, Kamala AKs. I know that. <laughs> and I don't care about that. Like, we're not talking about that. What we're talking about is the overreach of government. And look, and come on. <laughs> We seeing what the Fed is doing. We gotta talk about this spike too. Doing multiple interest rate spikes. The markets is fucked up right now. Inflation is crazy. But I'm a, you know, look, I'm gonna stop there. But that's just how I feel. That this this administration is performing poorly thus far. They have not kept any of their promises. Um. Yeah, that's my two cents. How y'all how y'all feeling about that? About what specifically? You just gave us a lot. I mean, how how do y'all feel about this administration thus far and the restrictions and the mandate, the mass mandates, mass mania? That's, I mean, that's a big concern of mine. I think that, uh, uh, you know, infringing on like health, uh. But I don't know what's the best way to articulate this, but you know, you definitely don't want the government force telling you, hey, you gotta put something in your body, um, for sure, right? Oh, or make it, making it very uh, unhospitable if you have, you know, a differing opinion on that. So yeah, I, I agree. I think that's, that's a big concern. Um, it seems like, a lot of people share that concern with me, which is why that just got blocked, which is good. Um, I think a bigger concern is, and you kind of started getting it. Well, I wouldn't say a bigger concern because I don't want to grade these things out, but uh, you mentioned this as you were kind of wrapping up your monologue sex. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, inflation, right? I think that inflation is creating the hard ramp for the politicization, the, the politicization of economics. And I mean, the economics have already been to, to some degrees politicized, which has led to kind of negligent decisions by those that are setting monetary and fiscal policy. But I think that's going to be exacerbated by just America's growing awareness of 
uh, how that really affects them on a day to day, right? Like when your lifestyle, your check, which you take home on a monthly, is being disrupted by like rising food and energy prices. Uh, you know, I think we'll see monetary policy, monetary policy that that is going to be more aimed at kind of appeasing people rather than actually taking strides forward to uh, addressing systemic issues. But that's yeah, I'm off my soapbox. All good. Appreciate your comments, brother. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yo, y'all have a, <laughs> y'all have a just sat next to somebody you saying, brother. <laughs> it is still funny as shit. Like, like, like the Hulk Hogan version of it. Though. Yes. Like, your brother. <laughs> yo. <laughs> yo, I was, I was chilling at the airport bar. This guy was getting the, I, I forget what drink he was getting, man. Maybe it was a Corona. It's like, just gotta love this brother. White dude, black dude. It's a white dude. <laughs> but it was just so funny, man. Oh, man. All right. See, I know you've been wanting to chime in on this, man. And I, and I want you to share your thoughts, too, because I think it's incredibly important. Let's go, Brandon. Let's <laughs> You ain't got a few. The only thing I will touch on is inflation. I mean, I, and the let's go Brandon. I mean, like his number one supporter is FBF. So, mm, you know, um, maybe another reason I'm not a Solana maxi. <laughs> Seems like there's some alignment there. Um, but um, in terms of inflation, uh, uh, the Rolling into the beginning of the year, tail end of last year, I, um, I was trying to figure out, you know, what was going on. I was really confused because I never, I always assumed the Fed could always just print more money and they would always elect to do so. Um, they would always continue to push interest rates down. Yeah. They would also, they would always continue to ease um, as much as possible. But with inflation becoming a meme with the existence of Bitcoin and the rising violence and, and just sort of all of the issues and, and how this is like the internet and social media has just like made the message of what's going on so viral that it's also incredibly unpopular to continue to have inflation just as it is highly unpopular to cr- crush the markets. Now, um, I, I, in reflection, what I what I've come what I've come away with in my view is that um, that's true. I think we will get posturing from the Fed. They will talk a big game, and everything is incremental. They only raise rates in 0.25 percent at a t- increments at a time. Yeah. So you know, if you just look at this long-term chart, like back in the '80s, you was at like 12, 15 percent. Like you know, like you know, I, I, um, I may be off a few, a few years. Um, there, if someone fact checks me, please do. 
Um, but, but, but point being, we are approaching zero. We have been approaching zero at the Fed Funds rate. And in many countries, they are under zero. And we are not the, we being the US, we're not the only place in the world. Um, so I, I do think that, especially in the United States, we will continue to print money as soon as things start to look like they want to go bad in the markets. Um, and I believe that because the number one issue is that everyone's in equity and boomers can't retire. Mm-hmm. 75 million boomers, average age of 65, average savings of 200K. Make it make sense. It, it doesn't work. Not enough, yeah. It, it, it just doesn't work. So as much as inflation is unpopular, these motherfuckers famous for cooking them. So, <laughs> you know, I, I would be more inclined to find a way to shift the goalposts and to look over here, you know, type of thing, while the same bullshit persists. Yeah, man. Um, the price of everything is going up. Uh, used cars are like booming right now. Like, if you bought a used car two years ago, you are winning. Basically, if you bought a used car during the pandemic, you 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 are winning. If you bought a house during the pandemic, you are definitely winning. I mean, just everything's just on the rise, uh, like the cost of living. But people are struggling out here. You know, people are doing Instacart, Uber, Ease, you know, crypto trading, just to survive. I think one thing, too, just kind of couple on, couple on Rashid's point, um, you want to understand, like, cyclical versus secular trends. Right, like m- markets are non-linear, including uh, our bond market, which is basically how we set rates. So, like, I think that uh, to Rashid's point, I mean, the secular trend is clearly down <laughs> and to the right, um, or up and to the right, depending on the chart that you're looking at, um, as far as rates and kind of where we're headed from a monetary perspective. But I think cyclically, over this short term. Uh, I think the Fed's goal is going to be disinflation without causing some form of deflation in the economy. Uh, and I don't know. Why do you think that? Um, for everything we just talked spoke about, right? I mean, just the the political the political the political I can't even speak this morning. How politicized inflation has become as a topic. Right. And, you know, you look at media outlets that, you know, they're they're sending this into our homes. And most Americans have a very, very, or just most people in general, not even Americans, most people in general have a very, very, um, I would even say sub elementary understanding of like finance and how these things are working. So as they're ingesting content, they're just like, okay, you guys just fix it and fix it right now. And, you know, what we'll see is posturing around, making sure we try to fix it right now, but that won't necessarily solve, um, I guess, greater monetary issues, but, you know. Yo, 
Twan is in the building. He just joined, coming live. With the goatee. On the 718. Welcome back. He's in Brooklyn. He got Black Jesus behind him, too. He's yeah, exactly. You already you know how he get down. He didn't go for that. You already know how he get down. I got a Black Jesus painted, too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't got a black Jesus painted. Oh man. Um my granny do though. Yeah, uh, somebody in your family do. Exactly. Somebody in your family <laughs> does for sure. Twan, how you feeling? How you feeling, man? Yo, I'm glad to be here. My, my bad guys. <laughs> nah, you good. You good. How expensive uh how more expensive were your groceries this week for your family? Uh, honestly, not that much uh, down here. From from what I understand, there's a shortage in st um, stocking people right now. Mm. So um, a lot of the groceries aren't like they're in the store, but they're not actually out on the shelves right now. I was saying that yesterday as well. I was talking to the guy, um, one of the guys who works at the grocery store I go to, and he was saying that he said, "You walk in here, we'll hire you on the spot. Anybody." <laughs> they were like, "Anybody, any Kroger, anywhere." Wow. Like, it's pathetic. He said people don't want to work. He's like, it's ridiculous. I can't, I can't get people <clears throat> to put stuff out. And you can't even blame it on Stimmy's anymore. They stopped that. So I think what's happening is that you know the coin basis is booming. <laughs> like they, they figuring out a way to get money somehow out, That's you know, outside of the system, right? They hustling. It's also you know a lot like like you said, she the rising crime. You know, people are robbing. Look, we just look, we just had an artist um, give an interview a couple weeks ago and said, "Man, why would I work? I, mean, I can go rob somebody. Like, yo, get like three thousand for the week. What's the point of working?" I mean, people are desperate, and I feel like the the current job economy isn't working for them. Like, so that's what's going to happen. Like, and maybe goodbye. I love you. I was going to propose a, 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 this is kind of a deeper conversation and I'm thinking about it, but I'll open it up to see if anybody has anything on top of it that they would want to expound on. Um, but I, how do you guys think about the idea? I, I was hearing like ph philosophically how we generally gravitate towards negativity as human beings. Um, and then just the fact that we don't really understand our absolute position that well. It's always relative. So even though 90% of humans are living today, are living better than 90% of humans have ever lived, if not 95, 99%, because of the existence of technology to be to understand relativism and to see the people around you, it causes a lot of emotional distress despite the fact that people aren't struggling on a physical level as much as they are at a mental, like, what do you guys think about that idea? I mean, that makes, I mean, within the framework of what we've been talking about as far as like a labor supply shortage, it makes a ton of sense. I think that um, what the pandemic did is it like, it spurned the, the bifurcation of, the, the workforce whereas like people that had jobs that could be done remotely or just well just I guess higher paying jobs and I don't know the threshold and this is entirely anecdotal um, they probably got more entrenched in that area whereas you have like your kind of grocery store clerks and uh, I guess 
lower paying jobs where they realize I'm never going to get ahead. You know what I'm saying? I'm never going to be able to get the nice car that I see on Instagram. You know, you know, get get the vacation and to or or the Gucci kicks yeah. in the metaverse. Yeah. So what's the point? Yeah, it's so like what's the point? Why am I why why am I coming here? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be able to retire off these wages, right? I'm not gonna be able to create the life that I want off of this. So, um, you know, what, what's the point of even doing it? And I don't know if people are doing it. alternatively. Um, I definitely blame Instagram to a degree, for sure. If you, ever talk, if you ever like really talk to these young boys these days, like 18, 19, 20, like they want to be lit on social media. Is that Instagram's fault or their parents' fault? <sighs> A little bit of both. A little bit of both because I, I feel like you could have, I've seen cats have you know both parents instill like values in them patience you know what i mean like but once you get out in the world and your peer group and all you around that's all you hear y'all i'm trying to get lit on ig i want to go you know <laughs> drop racks you know what i'm saying on top of racks and dior like that's the culture is to get fly by any means because they're chasing also another byproduct of IG and we talked about this two years ago the women influencer right they, they, they're looking to court their attention and I think this is going to get even more crazy as we start to transition into a metaverse type environment we're, we're already in the metaverse though. <laughs> yeah you know what I'm saying like these girls can now open up to a they can create a global audience and monetize it hmm they ain't gotta stop buying that shit. Yeah, but that's that's you know, yeah, that's why a lot of people are not looking to work. Or they figured out something during the pandemic that paid them way more. I don't know what that is. A lot of it, I mean, a lot of it is not legal, but I'm not gonna talk about it here. But, <laughs> but I'm thinking, uh, I mean, think about how hard is it for you to really generate minimum wage? Like, you know, sans an employer. I don't think is that, I mean, I don't, but I think that that's very tangible, especially in this world. Um, Facts, especially when you got an Indonesian kid clearing a million dollars off selfies. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, did y'all hear about this 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 cat? This twenty two year old Indonesian. He um he took selfies of himself for like the past several years, and he create he converted them to NFTs, and he made a million off of them. That's awesome. Wow. That's awesome. That's another right. way of selling yourself. Right. <laughs> hey. Yeah, man. That's he took awesome. five years worth of selfies, and he and he cleared over a million on uh, Open Sea. He just he just he just be like uploading them. He's hilarious. That's awesome. This sounds crazy, but you guys ever think that we're living in like a neo feudal society? Like feudalism was like this society which was based off of owning land, and based off of owning land, you had these exchange for goods and services. <laughs> But like when you look at like most people that grew up in Western society, you you see like there's these few individuals that's on land since like the the, con the the earliest concept of it, especially in like America. Like you have people that's owned property or land in America, like since the 13 colonies or since they explored the West. Like 
how can you expect like people such as African-Americans that, you know, just got freed in the 1800s to compete with that? I think you hit a you hit a really good point, Juan. And I was actually listening to a, a Real Vision interview. I forget who. Uh, golly, I think it was Yat Sui. I forget. I forget his name. Um, but he basically he built that same parallel between uh, kind of the exploration age of where we're at now as we're venturing into like a, a more digital landscape. And I think that. Um, you know, you, you see like these centralized intermediaries, like your big tech companies like Facebook, Google, um, Twitter, and they own digital real estate. Cause you have to, you go in there, you're able to monetize yourself. You're able to have your own image and your own brand. But if, you know, Mark Zuckerberg wakes up one day and it's like, Mr. or Mrs. Instagram influencer, you know what? I don't you you're off you're off my platform. Right. He could he can do that. You know what I'm saying? So I definitely think that we've moved into a space like where digital identity uh, it's not it's very very important, but it's not sovereign by any means. And um, you know a lot of the things that we're seeing in crypto with like nfts and blockchain with the centralization just kind of going back to our earlier conversation that's why it's so important because we don't have that right now i think that's a outstanding point and um bringing it back to the 2022 outlook i think that's part of the narrative shift that's necessary for crypto to take this next step is for it to go away from being thought of um, is alternative money is crypto and be rebranded as Web3, which is, you know, instead of these old platforms where people are more suspicious, people are more suspicious of Facebook and, and this stuff now. I think nowadays they're always in the court for antitrust stuff. And this issue that you raised is at the center of it um, because you, they basically can block you out of the economy, the digital economy. Um, and I think the Web3 narrative is that in this next version, you own, you know, the individual can own. And that's what the NFT is, it's just digital ownership. It, it is digital property. And, you know, I, I think that narrative shift of taking crypto from trying to figure out how to be alternative money against the banks towards figuring out a way to empower people to own their most valuable assets in the way that they spend time in the digital age. I think that's a critical narrative shift um, that's happening for the, for the adoption. Yeah. Well, the digital era is kind of weird too, because now I feel like back in the days, people owned your creativity, but it was to a certain extent. And now it's like people own your creativity as much as you participate in the web. Like once you start making Instagram videos or yeah. like YouTube videos, like, like you know, all, all that, that yep, and they can do with it like as they as as they want. Like there's, there's no such thing as like oh like being able to sue for your likeness and stuff like that. People are taking people are taking videos of people and putting it on Worldstar. Like 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 somebody should be able to say something like yo that's that's me like. I'm seeing all these NFTs of Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson should be able to sue, like, be like, yo, like, I need a piece of that, like, in perpetuity, because you guys are using my likeness, like. 
Yes. Exactly. Um, and I, I do think this is going to be a major year for NFTs. I think we're going to start seeing NFTs with real utility. We've already started seeing some NFTs with real utility, where digital, you know, digital identities or digital tribes are being created. Uh, things like DeFi Kingdom um, and Jewel, just having like a, a local economy token associated with those communities, uh, I think is proving to be a valuable uh, asset across some of these properties as well. Uh, we see Foxy, shout out Team Foxy, still, oh my God, grossly under, underrated. And they're building around a clock, uh, NFT swaps, dens. Now you could put rooms in your dens. Twan, you, you spend a lot of time talking to the founders of Foxy and you hang out in the communities. I think you do everything with them except smoke butt with them. Uh, tell us like what you've just been learning about what they've been doing. I know they've been making a lot of progress, but I know you like really in the trenches with the other foxes. So, so like uh, foxes is like a, it's an interesting community because it's like once you own a fox, they want you to really participate in it. One, um, so I, I kind of like that. But in a weird way, like it kind of reminds me of Facebook. You don't really know where this could go. Not necessarily with foxes, but with, with NFT projects in general. Like it can go as far as they can take it. Like recently, foxes just created a partnership with the metaverse. So you might be able to upload uh, with a metaverse platform. Um, I can't think of it right now, what's the name of it, but you may be able to upload your foxes into the metaverse and play it as those foxes. like. I think some of the stuff that they're doing is like really unique and cool and I'm just like here for the ride to see where it goes. Um, not to get away from um, foxes, but to just keep it on the topic of NFTs, they have other very interesting NFTs uh, like Board 8 Yacht Club. Like it, they have real world parties and events that like kind of parallel um, that in the metaverse as well. Like. Um, they also have, from what I understand, they're building metaverse events. Um, when we was at Art Basel, they have board eight yacht club parties. Mm. So, like, you're right. I remember you had to have proof yeah. that you owned a, um, a board eight yacht club to get into the party. And now you see guys like Lil Baby, Dirk, a couple of days ago, got the Smirkio, uh, you know, Boy A Yacht Club. That's now starting to become a digital status symbol. You see Lil Baby say he don't want no more cash. He want all his money in crypto now. He getting rid of all cash. Yeah, me, like, it's starting to become, you know, really culturally acceptable. Right. Me, me recently was talking about um, for his next album, you're going to need a .eth to, to get it. Yeah, um, first of all, we don't, we don't need me talking about crypto. Let me tell you why. Every time this nigga talks about crypto, bro, the shit crashes. It corrects, bro. Like, <laughs> Meek is a top signal. Anytime Meek talks about crypto, throw on some puts if you can as quick as possible, right? Like, get into a short position because he is about to drop. And I love Meek. You know what I'm saying? I Shout mean, out to expensive pain. The crypto enthusiast was kind of flaming him on, on, in his uh, in his Twitter. It was like, "Yo, like the gas fees are going to be worth more than your album." <laughs> <laughs> you ain't got to mute yourself when you laugh, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so, nah, for real. 
That's hilarious. That's gonna sound weird on the audio. Um, uh, music, yeah, music NFTs as well. So yeah, I, I think he's gonna do that. Um, outside of the majors, and when I classify as the majors is Bitcoin and ETH, and now Solana. It's three, right? Yeah, there's, there's three. Solana. Yeah, oh no, it's five now. It's five. Yeah. It's dropped now. Anything under two just changes. <laughs> okay, but but what do you what do you you know if if what are you most excited about this year? If you're looking at a token, what's on what's on your radar? Um, yeah, outside of the majors. I mean, I I. I've loved um, this recent price action because it's just allowed me to accumulate more of the stuff that I want to accumulate. Yeah. And uh, I, I hope, you know, crypto sells off so I can go and buy some more stuff that I want to keep buying. <laughs> <laughs> so, I oh, you want that major nuke? You want it? Oh, yeah. Action. I want like big liquidation candles, Bitcoin back down to 30K, ETH back down to like 15. Yo, some people do think that ETH could go down to 16, 1700 range. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. <laughs> if ETH touched like two grand again, that would be amazing. Hey, listen, I don't think a lot of people are prepared for that. Or they haven't like really positioned their portfolio for that, honestly. What this what these past few months have taught me is that people have overexposure and over leverage. Oh yeah. And dreams, bro. They're not yeah. truly ready for like that nasty nuke. <laughs> they really not. So I think they're keeping the hopium going. They gotta keep sniffing it because they can't live with what a real like nuke party would look like. And oh, I, I mean, we've was- seen it. I've been through what, three now. That's 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 a part of participating in any market. You gotta be able to take your losses. That's just it. Like, whether it's the equity market or crypto, like you still gotta be able to be able to take an L. Like sometimes you're gonna take an L, and you know you can't be an emotional trader, and because you're taking an L, keep digging yourself deeper. Word, word. Big luck. One we thing on my we, we sitting in with the cannabis equity. Oh, yeah. oh my god. Listen. I it's it's a it's an investor's dream right now. The the majority of the entire fucking asset class is down 80, 80 to 95 percent. Really? It's nasty. You know what I mean? Like, but I a think, lot of people who was investing in that wasn't ready. What you I say? think people who would have thought like, okay, so like we got Mass mandates, but weed is illegal. <laughs> like, okay, like you know what I'm saying. I, I think at this point, people thought it would be on the border of legal. Like, if you just spend six trillion dollars, I would have thought like if you're going to start ah, taxes, 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 mm-hmm. we would have fixed. Like, I, I would have thought that would have happened. So I think that's part of the reason why it's uh, selling off. Because, like, to me, it's just so irrational. I, I, I would have thought that if we got into this place um, financially, 
that would have been one of the first things they were just like, all right, let's get some more tax revenue. Mm -hmm. And I think that was priced starting to be priced in as expectation because that only makes sense, you know, but a lot of things don't make sense now. Yeah, no, no. The weed isn't legal. Um, you know, Joe and his little posse, they ain't done nothing. They have not made any type of progress on not even decriminalizing weed because he never really said he's for legalization. He said he was for medical legalization, but he was more so for decriminalization, which I, yeah, it doesn't, in my personal opinion, it doesn't really solve the problem all the way. We don't need just decriminalization. No, we need legalization. One thing I do want to get your guys' take on this, because I know this is your initial question next. I probably got us a little off topic. Um, what, and I texted Rashid about this, but, and, and maybe this is why we're not necessarily, but I don't really look at Marcus and Bullock there or whatever. But, um, like, Ethereum, if you've noticed, Ethereum and Bitcoin dominance are at pretty key levels. Uh, Bitcoin dominance specifically. Uh, and it seems, it has seemed like, and I might be early on this, that liquidity is flowing out of those two and going elsewhere. And I'd just be curious if you guys have any thoughts on or where you've seen a ton of activity from in the, in the digital uh, crypto market space, et cetera, whatever. Yo, I, I've seen the activity in Phantom and uh, Avalanche. Yo, Rashid put me on the Avalanche, but like there's a lot of different DeFi projects in Avalanche um, outside of like the rebase tokens that you can make good money in. And I mean, and Solana. Solana has good DeFi projects as well. Yeah. And then uh, uh, what's what's the new one you put me on to, X? Arbitron with Magic. Yep. That's a that's a layer two for uh, ETH. Polygon. Polygon's uh, another one. Yo, uh, who, who would have thought? Remember if we were talking about Polygon when it was like under 10 cents? To be honest, uh, I've been exploring the NFTs in those different um, platforms as well. Because some of them have like different utilities, like uh, they're staking Polygon or uh, they're, they're staking Avalanche and uh, for each NFT you hold, you're getting a portion a, a portion of that like pool stake every month. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, to answer your question, Rush, what you or to build on your question. Um, what, what I'm saying is similar to what Twan is saying. Um, you know, it, I think what you're, what you're noticing in terms of capital flowing out of ETH and out of Bitcoin, I think that's what's been happening this past year. Mm. You know, and that's like, you know, as the market has consolidated, it's just rotated. It's just like, mm. it's just a merry-go-round of the same capital following incentives, funded by VCs, creating those incentives, having equity, getting token allocations, pumping up marketing, exiting, the token allocation is dumping it on retail and then owning that equity. Like, I, I honestly think that's what's going on. And to your point earlier about how early we are, I think it's just, this is how early we are. And um, first principles, you know, like a lot of it is just mercenary capital. 
there's a there's a small handful of people with capital that have been in crypto who know how to navigate and do the stuff that are just moving their stuff from protocol to protocol because it's a lot of money out there just right. by participation. This is, you know, Web3, rewrite own. You can own by participating. So the people that know how to participate are participating and getting paid. And I think that's honestly what it's about um, right now. In terms of the future, I think that as we move to NFTs, security and, um, you know, like validation, like mm -hmm. I, I think that becomes more important because if we're talking about digital property, then you can't have a bunch of conflict. Mm -hmm. um, so I, that's why that's why I think like as people as we move to this next phase of Web three and where are we building stuff, where are people going to choose to build their business, um, and where are they going to monetize their brand and trust for the state? I think the um, I think the blockchain you're on will be critically important. And in my opinion, the reason that your uh, move with ETH makes sense is because to me, outside of Bitcoin, ETH is the only one that's figured out how to define the asset as money um, in the L1 ecosystem, because it's actually related to the network activity. You know, it's actually tied and there's a relationship and there's a bonding curve, you know, and it's working itself out, but it is so early. Yeah. It's so early. So, you know, wrapping it up, I think what, you, what you've seen this past year, I think you're noticing the trend a little late. Mm. I think like if you open the aperture, you would see that it was like Solana and then that was hot and then it was Avalanche and then that was hot and then it was uh, Phantom. And then if you look at the timing, you'll see incentives of like we're giving away $300 million like on Phantom that's their program they have $300 million in DeFi and it's just gone from thing to thing but I think um, in the future I think we're that's why I think we're still bullish because mm -hmm. we've been consolidating and doing this thing for a while um, and I think the institutional rush has not come and they're about to start building their brands and when they choose to build their brands in this space it will be on e mm. two things <laughs> first thing that was that was a master class that she just put on my nigga used the word aperture bro 100% from the three point line dog <laughs> second thing I don't, even if we are bearish, I don't think we're gonna be in a bear period as long as the previous cycles. That's right. a good way to put what I, I agree. Thank you for- You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think what I am bearish, I am bearish on like Q1, right? I do plan to scale back into crypto more heavily after I finish positioning myself in this cannabis trade. Um, in Q2, Q3 of this year, but my focus is more so on NFTs. And I just believe that that is what's going to onboard pop culture. That's what's going to onboard 
the regular average everyday person because they can they can actually grasp that they cannot grasp Cardano right they cannot a lot of people can't even grasp Ethereum they're just now gra- grasping Bitcoin and that's just because this took on the lazy narrative of digital gold but they can understand something that is associated with royalties of an album of their favorite artists. Nas is doing an NFT where he's selling off the royalties. He's uh, tokenizing the royalties associated with uh, certain songs of his uh, most recent album. Now, when you do the math, (laughs) how frequently the song has to be played for you to get a real ROI is like, yeah, you might be waiting like 10, 20 years. And that's just to get slightly above break even. That being said, it's still a way to show fandom. You know what I mean? And I think if you, I think almost, well, I'm not gonna say almost everybody, but a lot of people understand fandom, right? And how many things can be monetized around fandom? And how people want to contribute their support. I want to feel like they own a piece of an artist that they love. Whether that's a musical artist, whether that's an actor, an actress, you know, whatever. Guitar player, whatever. I think we're, we're seeing creatives figure this thing, start to figure this thing out. And it's really interesting. Um, and it's something that's, that I'm really keeping my eye on this year. I don't think we're that far away because I'm starting to see more and more athletes, you know, opt to be paid in Bitcoin. I don't think we're that far away from someone figuring out how to structure, create a structured product around contracts for players that are that are tokenized. Right. Because. Player may one day work into his contract. Oh, you know, I want an opportunity to tokenize ten percent of my contract, right? Or I want to create a, you know, additional incentives uh, that are associated with performance and connected with the crypto market, where people can bet on that. You know what I mean? And I receive a pool of those bets because think about it. We, when I'm making a bet on Carmelo Anthony or I'm making a bet on LeBron and DraftKings or FanDuel or whatever bet, betting platform, if I win money, they don't see a cut of that. Right? They don't they, they don't see a cut of that at all. That's like the, the NBA sees a cut for licensing out their, you know, likeness and images and stuff like that. But the player doesn't. So now the player can get in on people um, taking a, a bet on them. NBA might try to stop that one. Possibly. But I'm just saying, people are going to figure this thing out. And I think they, the music industry and the, and the sports and entertainment, yeah, the sports and entertainment industry, I think they're starting to figure this thing out. Because they had to. Because if they don't, they'll be disrupted. Because depending on the artist, this can disrupt 
having to, you know, opt for a record contract to get an advance, which we all know is a loan anyway. If you call, I mean, from a loan shark, you know, it's a, it's a right. predatory, it's a predatory loan. And they take your masters and all that, and they, they live off your catalog. But they're even starting to financialize people's music catalog. Tina Turner just sold her entire catalog for $80 million. The Dream sold his entire catalog rights to all of his recordings for $29 million a couple years ago. And these and these is this this is like Blackstone and KKR is doing this. Follow the money. Why would you think artists uh, artists would do something like that? It could be multiple reasons. Uh, it could be they need liquidity. Uh, it could be that they're not married to it like that. You know what I'm saying? Maybe they got another play that they want to do, right? And that's an asset that they're sitting on. If they if they are the, the, the demand is there too, the right. side is there. So like one of the byproducts of having like a yieldless environment is that people find creative ways to make yield. And one of those ways is um, by owning things they get streamed in places and you get a cut of it. Basically, that is yield. Yeah, that's yeah. like definition again. That's you know that's why culture is becoming an asset. The, you know, the film, you know, music, all these things to get eyeballs that Web2 companies have been advertising off of. I mean, look at how big of a business Google is, right? And now it's like, okay, well, maybe instead of selling myself and all of my future and, you know, everything, maybe now I can come up with a way to bootstrap launching the product and getting on the stage of where I need to be to get the exposure to get my career off the ground. Um, now that I have NFTs and you can still own a lot of the upside of your future as an artist. Now that I think, like you said, the, the, the lack of yield has created it to where this is now an asset class. Yeah, very true. Um... There's a few artists that I, I that I that I would love to like own a piece of their masters. You know what I mean? Because they have songs that will get licensed out for like movies. You know what I mean? Uh, different shows, stuff like that. Like if you were to look at it like that, like imagine having a piece of Kanye's royalties. That just generated passive income. There's something interesting. All right, um, wrapping up. You know, what's on, what's on you guys? Is we used to do watch lists for the week. We're not gonna do that no more, right? So, because um, it's, it's too much pressure to think of new stuff. It's like from, for weeks on end, it won't change. Like, yo, nigga, I'm still watching this. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, but. You know, besides the certain NFT projects that we've discussed, you know, certain uh, tokens we've discussed, is there anything that's on your um, broader list, you know what I'm saying, your list of broader themes for this year that you're particularly checking out or keeping a close eye on or excited about? That could be in crypto or traditional equities. 
honestly, I think one thing to look at, um, and we talked about this earlier, but like the cyclical trend of the yield curve, right? Specifically like the 10 year, the 10 year, we might be pushing up into ranges like 2%, which isn't, it sounds like crazy because we, we're coming off a low of zero, but uh, that has clearly had some sort of effect on the broader market. Um, so I think that's one thing. And then second thing, um, and I haven't done too much digging into this as far as like the, just the health of the yield curve, but if we were to invert at all with rapid rate hikes on the short end, uh, that obviously would cause, you know, downward pressure in the market. So that's, that's one thing that I'm always trying to keep, just keeping a pulse on because uh, everything is denominated in dollars. So the, the macro economy will always kind of have its say in your portfolio. Mm. Um, yeah, I'll give a couple, couple of the crypto projects that I'm excited about um, on the theme of NFTs and, you know, culture becoming an asset. A company called Opulus, O-P-U-L is the token. Um, it's an NFT marketplace for musicians. And they, they do DeFi loans and sort of a little bit of what we're talking about. So mm-hmm. the founder is also the CEO of Ditto um, Music. So yeah, it's some relationships. So I, I checked that out. And then another one is a metaverse platform called Genesis Worlds on um, Polygon. And that team, um, they look like they, you know, they, they've been in crypto since like 2013, 2014. They built some things before. And what they're doing in the roadmap, it seems very, very decentralized. It seems very, very governance. Um, the, the governance is decentralized and I like that. So I'm, I'm gonna see how that unfolds. What about you, Twan? You know, what other telegrams are you mm-hmm. bouncing around in these days? Discords, where you at with it? Uh, um, right now, I've been kind of just like playing around with the NFT space. So uh, one of the NFTs that I I haven't I haven't bought one, but I've been watching it kind of like get more interesting with time is Stone A Crew. And uh, at first, like. I remember I told you about it. He was like, yo, this is just uh um this is yeah, just a corner I, play of board ape yacht club, right? Yeah, I slept, I slept, but it, yo, it's a lot of buttheads in there, man. Shout out to yeah. Stone Club, man. And um, you know, it, it has some real world utility where you can go into certain dispensaries and use their stake token puff to buy cannabis. Like <laughs> and then like some of the uh the treasury goes to creating new strains. Like, so like, I don't know, man, is it, it's a really interesting project. So that's, that's one NFT that I was interested in. And then, uh, this, a uh, a project I'm trying to remember the name right now. I actually, I actually minted an NFT with them. It was called rabbit hole. Mm. Um, but rabbit hole, uh, it's on the avalanche network. Mm. Um, and you get rap memo, uh, every month for because you you pay for memo to to mint it 
and i mean that's been another interesting project uh it, it recently it was you were able they started minting it in december and they they just sold out all the mints recently because the community really didn't catch on like that and i'm watching that community grow and it's uh i, I i'm liking where where the developers are going with it right now um so those have been the two uh nft projects i've kind of been playing around with right now I think for me, man, I'm um, Foxy Gang, Solana Gang, um, Magic Gang, non crypto. I'm <laughs> look, I I'm scooping up shit left and right in cannabis. <laughs> Like this just makes no sense. Uh, the companies with this type of performance and balance sheets, like trading at one X multiple, like yo, what? The upside here is crazy. So uh, I, I'm uh, this is a 2024, 2025 play for me, but scooping up a lot of motherfucking cannabis. Uh, when you say one X, what? What's the what's the multiple on? Is that a revenue multiple? Uh, yeah, 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 like revenue multiple. Um, but yeah, there, there, there are so many different opportunities. Um, the ones that I'm like very bullish on, like GTI, um, also, um, Cureleaf is one, a non plant touching one that uh, I've been keeping my eye on, but haven't really made a move just yet is Agrify. But one of the, the sneakiest plays is, you know, if you want to kind of play an asymmetric play, is uh, Scott's Miracle Girl. Oh, the last year. <laughs> Yo, they're snatching up all the top ancillary companies in the space. They have a subsidiary called Hawthorne Gardening. Look it up. They bought out Gavita, and now they just bought one of the top LED light makers in the space, Lux. They own uh, so, some of the top nutrient companies. Just found out they, they own Emerald Harvest. Uh, shout out to all the bartenders out there across the world that I talk to. Shout out to the cats at the hydro shops. Uh, that's why I'm like kind of learning how they quietly making moves in the industry to kind of bulk up their portfolio to service commercial cannabis growers. Right. They bought out some lighting companies too. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Lux Lighting, Davida, mm -hmm. um, Hawthorne Garden. Yeah, they do consulting projects as well for helping people set up their grows. So, yeah, a trade without any emotion. Yeah, Scott's, Scott's miracle, bro. Just bought some leaps on them, on them joints. 2023 leaps. Uh, 2024, they got them. But, yeah. Those are the plays that uh, that I've been looking at and um, started to build positions in. For the long run, this is not a short term trade because I think what what's going to happen here is that we're I don't think we're we're any closer to federal legalization, but I definitely think we are close to getting safe banking, and that is going to be that is a critical piece of uh, legislation 
that has yet to be passed. But yo, once that gets passed, and now these large banks can start working with cannabis companies, oh, it's over. When you can start offering, you know, banking services to these companies, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. That you want to talk about institutional thirst? Yes, yeah, yeah, it's definitely in crypto. But oh my god, in cannabis, it's thirstier than thirst. Hmm. They are salivating at the opportunity. When you got the American Bankers Association coming through, back in legislation, you know, trying to, when you have Amazon now lobbying in the industry, follow the money. Follow the money. So I just want to front run everybody before we pass safe, before more states come online, particularly the East Coast. New Jersey is coming online. New York is coming online. Soon Connecticut, hopefully Pennsylvania. Maryland has it on the ballot this year. It's going to be crazy. But yeah, that's what I'm looking at. Um, And that's what we're going to close out at. Hey, yo, remember, always, please consult with a licensed financial advisor. The information talked about today in this podcast are the views of our own and not our employers. Right? It should not be taken as financial advice recommendation to purchase any asset, including equities and crypto. We're not responsible for you pushing that button. We're not responsible for your trades. We're not responsible for your portfolio performance. Get the fuck out of here with that. All right. Uh, we love y'all. We're glad to be back. And we'll be back next week, you know what I'm saying, with more hot topics. More stuff to talk about. Maybe ETH will bounce to 3,600. Maybe it'll go down to 1,600. We don't know. We'll find out soon. And with that, we out. Peace. Peace.